On today's episode of the Locked On Senators podcast, the crew dissects the season that was for the Belleville Senators. That's right, the American Hockey League announced today there will be no conclusion to the 2019-2020 season. Who is the Belleville Senators MVP? Who improved the most? And will they be even better next season? We'll answer all that and get to our Sen Central draft rankings getting into the end of the first round. That's right. Picks number 31 and 33. It's all brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com and put in promo code Locked On and get $10 off your first box of Built Bars. Now they have 16 different flavors. Pilsy, what's your favorite part about Built Bar? Ross, I said it last time. I'll say it again. I love the chocolate. I'm a big chocolate guy. Every single bar covered in chocolate and you know how sometimes with protein bars you get they get really like compact and hard to chew. These are nice and soft, easy to chew because the last thing you want to do when you're done a workout, Ross, is have another workout just trying to get that protein bar in you. So Built Bar, they're soft, they're chocolatey, and they're packed with protein. Chris, where if I want to get a Built Bar, where do I go to get it? Well, Ross, I just go to BuiltBar.com. And you can too. And the best part is you can use the promo code locked on and get $10 off your first box of 16 protein bars. Yeah, that's right. Built Bar is the go-to protein bar for the Locked On Network. So go there right now. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on. Today is Monday, May 11th, the day the American Hockey League decided there will be no Calder Cup champion. Pilsy, as employees of the Belleville Senators, that is a sad thing to hear. I'm beyond sad. I mean, we had so much fun this season doing the long road trips, and it's much more fun this season when they're winning almost every game, or at least involved in every game. And if they're losing, there's a good chance there's a comeback. So this is just a fun season. We knew they were going to go deep into the playoffs. And another, uh, well, he's not an employee of the Belleville Centers, but Pierre Dorian noted last month, uh, this is from Garyock, uh, it's probably the thing that hurts us the most within this organization is the pause and possibility of the AHL canceling their season and the growth of all the prospects in Belleville being halted. And with the season canceled, that all comes to an end. And I, I think you can go into words how important it is for these uh, young prospects to go into deep uh, playoff runs, play meaningful games, win games, gain chemistry, develop their skills, and just grind it out i mean the ahl playoffs are a grind so it's really unfortunate that it had to come to this but when you're a league like the ahl that really really depends on ticket sales it just it's not possible without the fans i mean the tv uh the streaming doesn't bring in enough money so it just it doesn't make sense and that's where they came to uh with this decision and chris as well belleville finishing first in the north division i guess touch on that as well so Clear cut, six points up on Rochester, who was second. You knew that they had the potential to make a deep run. What kind of, uh, I mean, Pilsy touched on the important, but what can that mean going forward and into next year? 
Yeah, this Belleville team that was going to be retooled going back in, getting all the big names back from Ottawa. We knew Drake Batherson was back. It was just going to be a matter of time before all the names were there and turn this thing into a real runaway train. You mentioned it, six points up there. There was so much talent involved. A three-headed monster, not just two, available in the crease. There were so many little things. And Pillsy, I think the big thing that... uh, you mentioned there in Ross to kind of roundabout answer your question. I think the biggest thing that you're missing out on is, as Pilsy said, you're playing those long, that long grind of playing, but it, it's play, in playing important minutes. So these guys could be in a long run in the NHL, but only get about three, four, five, six, seven minutes a night. Whereas they're going out there and they're dogging guys like Drake Batherson, guys like Logan Brown, guys like Josh Norris are going to be going out there and playing 22, 25 minutes a night in meaningful hockey games. That goes so far for your development and what to do in those situations. And uh, yeah, losing out on that kind of experience in professional hockey in North America is absolutely huge. Let's still not skim skim over and, and let that disappointment take away from the season that was for the Belleville Senators. Top five in so many impressive categories led the entire American Hockey League and goal scoring with 234 goals. So many guys, you mentioned some names, Parley, of guys who uh, lit the lamp. Road wins was another huge thing. I think Joey was like 11-1-1, something crazy on the road, while the entire team had 23 road wins, which was also first in the American League. Shorthanded goals, Alex Formanton leading the way in that category, 18 also tops. 12th in power play and also so many um, personal milestones from Josh Norris's seven game uh, goal streak, which tied or actually set a franchise record. He was first among all rookies in scoring Pillsy, which of all these impressive feats from this season will you remember the most here? Well, how about uh, Rudy Balsers too? I mean, the, the point streak he went on, what did it end up being? I think it was like 17 games. And then he only had one game where he didn't get any points. And then he started another point streak again, I think, for three or four games. So Rudy Balsers, uh, it was a given every night he was going to get a point when he was on that stretch. So that was pretty impressive for me. And you guys know I'm a big Rudy Balsers guy. So it was great to see him uh, have success and kind of up his stock amongst all these crazy prospects that the Senators have playing down in Belleville. How about just head and shoulders above all? Parley, who would you give the Belleville Senators season MVP to? It's going to be Drake Batherson for me. That's an easy one. Uh, Josh Norris put together an incredible season. But if you look at the numbers here, Josh Norris, albeit a rookie, came out and had a fantastic year. I'm very high on the Josh Norris trade. Uh, I will, I'll back him up in any conversation. The Josh here. Norris trade. Nice. I like that. <laughs> New spin on the Carlson trade, eh? Only positives from this guy. Uh, Drake Batherson, though, is an easy one for me. If you're going to look at points, you got to look at games played as well. Uh, Josh Norris, again, led the team 61 points in 56 games. But Drake, the snake, Batherson, 54 points in 44 games. When he was there, he seemed to dominate, elevated the play of his line mates. He was the best Belleville senator when he was in that locker room. Hard for me to disagree. Pilsy, I'm sure that you can make a case for Rudy Balsers as well. Yeah, Rudy Balsers was uh, was definitely one of my guys. But I 
I don't think he comes close to, uh, if we're talking MVP, he's not quite up there with uh, Norris and Batherson. So I'll go with Parley and say, yeah, Batherson was the MVP. Because like we talked about a couple episodes, when he was in Belleville, the crowd was pumped and there was there was just an excitement in the air. So that's kind of MVP status that you bring that aura with you. Okay, well, if we're going to be consensus on one and two, which I think we all are, Batherson one, Norris two, crazy Norris third in the entire American Hockey League in goal scoring this year as a 20-year-old rookie. Let that sink in. So let's let's do our top five. Let's uh, let's round it out. After those two, who's your three, four, five here on on the team? Does Bath uh, does Balsers fit in here? Because Formanton had a hell of a season as well. And nobody's even talking about the fact that Vitalia Bramov was a plus 18 with also nearly a point a game, 41 and 51. Yeah, it's exciting to see guys like that. So I'm going to quickly throw in Josh Norris in my number two spot there. Alex Formanton, he did not have a very quick start, but he definitely, uh, when guys like Drake Batherson, Rudy Balsers, uh, either got called up or missed some time due to injury. This guy stepped up 27 goals as a rookie. That's only four less than Josh Norris, who put up 31. So that's super impressive as well. The guy can fly. Showed a little bit of uh, some clutch factor in there as well. Obviously, I'm talking about that goal that went up in the air about 12 feet and then fell in behind the goalie for the uh, comeback overtime game winner. I think he had multiple overtime winners. And then I'm going to throw a, a name out. So I think it's easy to say that the top goal scorers were the guys that kind of took the show. So yeah, Vitalia Bramov's going to slot in a number four for me there. And then, guys, I got to say it, Joey Decord, number five. He came in and was more than impressive. How about this, just to finish our thought here, and actually I'll piggyback off it. I'll say Formanton's number three for me as well. Yeah. Five game-winning goals, three of them in overtime so that's big time that that's a, that's big time and then the other rookie norris four game winning goals uh one of them being in overtime so yeah that's pretty impressive i'm gonna go number four joey because i thought he came in this was a season where people thought he was going to be in the east coast league for the year he was so good down there and with circumstances um pertaining to nielsen and then hogberg having to be away for extended period of time even anderson for a little bit as well i get, made him not only an opportunity, it gave him the chance to solidify a starting role with some help from Gustafson having a couple bad games in a row. But Joey Decord's number four for me. Um, his, I mean, the record speaks for itself, and I think he's only going to get better and better. We've we've been through it ad nauseum. And then, as good as Abramov was, that point streak that that uh, Pilsy mentioned with Ballsters, I think it was 16 games off the start of the season. Um, his plus minus was right up there as well, plus 20. And he played in all situations, kind of a leader. And he's a guy, uh, as he's going to be 24, turning 25 next year, he's a guy who I hope is not back at all in Belleville. He's got to establish himself by next season as an NHLer. Would you agree to that, Pilsy? But what more does he have to do? This is what frustrates me with Balsers. And I was especially frustrated when it was Schlappick that was getting these opportunities over Balsers. Don't get me wrong. Schlappick's a fine player. But, like, what do you want Balsers to do when he's getting a point every night for uh, 16 games straight? And he just didn't get the opportunities I thought he deserved. So I think if he gets some consistent time... And I don't want him playing on a fourth-line role. If we can get him playing kind of a third-line role in the NHL, I think he's going to have success uh, in the big leagues, especially 
if um, he gets that room and comfort where he's not every game gripping the stick too tight and worried about getting sent back down. I, I think it's interesting that we talk about our most valuable players, but in a season that was so good, I think there's so many, there's a couple things and I have one that definitely comes to mind. Uh, and this one's for me is Christian Willinen. What was he going to be able to do at this level on this team in the AHL this year? Uh, Ross, I was wondering what your biggest what if is, and if it's Christian Willinen as well, what do you think about what his season could have been? Yeah. And, I also thought he'd be a bit more dominant when he came down. Of course, he was coming off that injury. But in nine mm-hmm. games, he was he was still trying to find his way after being so dominant last year. Maybe that's a part of it, that he set the bar so high with his... Just the one um, point. Yeah, exactly. His calmness. It was a beauty goal, too. I, I do remember mm-hmm. uh, we were working that game. But, um, yeah, you were just like, I don't know. I give him benefit of the doubt. I think he comes back. I don't think it's a problem if because of this miss season for Willannon if he starts again in in Belleville um next year but yeah he, he's another guy who's on the older end he's even a year older than than Balser so you want him to be in the National League next season and another two it was really that was the biggest what if all three of them on the blue line I thought Max Lajoie it must have been a hot streak more than anything at the start of last season think this is more the kind of player that we're looking at a guy who's gonna have to scratch and claw to to make uh, permanent name in the NHL despite um, what was it eight points in his first seven NHL games that was wild and then um, and then another one is Christian Yarosh who played the majority of the year before in the NHL and he couldn't really get things going injuries were a big factor for him too 34 games and uh, yeah he was plus 20 which was great you, you talk about a team that that scored a ton but uh, I thought there'd be a little more offense in, in his game. He did have the two goals, 15 points. But um, those three on the back end, you think if those guys could have reached their potential, this is a extremely um, scary team. And Pillsy, I'll throw to you with this because I want to stick on the back end. And, um, two players, well, one on the back end and one up front, but Eric Brandstrom, Logan Brown, two guys that wouldn't even really have played enough games to be considered for an MVP um, but they both were just about at a point of game and, and were also dominant at times when they were out there. What would you think of uh, those two? I would call them probably the two most polarizing Sens prospects. Would you agree with that statement as well? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, well, Eric Brandstrom, uh, kind of unfairly to him, he's got a lot uh, on his shoulders being the major piece coming back in the Mark Stone trade. I thought he was all right. He wasn't as flashy as he was last year. I know a couple times we talked about how when he first came to Belleville after that trade, uh, he was injured right away. So he didn't play right away. But when he made it to Belleville, it was like he was a wizard with the puck. Like no one was touching him. Like he was just all over the ice, uh, evading checks, um, soft hands, good pass. But yeah, Ross, you teed me up for what I wanted to talk about. Probably the biggest what if, and I'm not just talking size, but uh, franchise potential. Logan Brown, 28 points in 25 games. If he stays healthy, what what does a full season of Logan Brown look like? Do you think he can keep that point per game pace? I think with talented players around him, why not? If you've got Batherson, Norris, Balsers, Abramov, all those talented guys, then there's no reason why uh, Logan Brown can't have success in the AHL level, especially if he can stay healthy and uh, not be afraid to use that big size of his. Like when he actually used his size, he was so effective. But I think 
multiple injury problems makes you a little more timid in the corners or in those rough spots that he just wasn't able to dominate as much as you would hope. Just to hop in there as well, it's quickly becoming apparent to me that Logan Brown, although uh, the size he he has and uh, the offensive skills that he has, uh, passing ability, um, controlling the puck, it's starting to become apparent to me he's not the player that's going to drive the play on the line he's on. He needs to have the high-end talent around him. Would you agree with that, Ross? Yeah, I think that's a fair statement, Parley, especially the guys who he's been able to play with in Belleville, like Drake Batherson at an extended period of time and Balsers as well, two wingers that like to have the puck on their stick through the neutral zone. And I don't think it's the worst situation as long as he can use his big body down low. I think that's where you want Logan Brown to be dominant. If he needs another guy to carry the puck through the neutral zone and and set up the play, that's fine. Um, What I want to see for Logan Brown to have a consistent impact at the next level is that physical game down low and being able to dominate possession really use that body to shield the puck and allow openings uh, to where he can use his great vision he's an awesome passer he just needs to allow himself to get into uh, situations where he has more time to use it I agree uh, there's definitely times at the NHL level where he shined on the power play but again that's with a one less man on the ice right so if it takes the man advantage for a little while it's going to be interesting to see if he's ever able to translate into that into five on five play Well, I think something that we forget is this is only Logan Brown's second pro year. He's a 98 birthday, and sometimes maybe it's the draft status going as high as he did, 11th overall, that people can overlook that. Played 56 games last year, played 25 this year. It seems like a lot of the Sens fans think if he's not in the NHL next year, it's a complete bust. I think if he can't stay healthy next year, it's not a good sign. But I think Logan Brown, if he can be the top-line center – especially if the Sens draft one with a top three pick, uh, be it be it Byfield or Stutzel or whichever direction they go, if, if maybe Marco Rossi, I don't know. But if, uh, if one of those guys even jumps him on the depth chart, I don't think it's the end of the world. As long as Logan Brown can somehow become a second-line center at the NHL, then it's a win, whether it's next year or the year after. I don't think that he would be in the conversation for most improved, however, Pilsy, who would be your most improved player on this year's Belleville team versus last? Well, guys, this one might surprise you because uh, out of all the the prospects, the the big shiny names, the Norris's, the Bathersons, the Formantons, this is a guy that kind of got overlooked, and it's someone that. I was super excited about coming into the season. Uh, He had a good uh, rookie camp. He had a good development uh, camp. So he was a guy that I thought was going to excel at the AHL level. And that's Parker Kelly. The reason I'm going to go Parker Kelly most improved, he had 21 games with one goal. That's it. One goal, no assists. And he had that goal in his fourth game. So he went 17 more games without a point. And then I don't know what happened. I think it was just uh, kind of a, a reflex a reaction of all these other prospects going up into the NHL that something clicked with him. He got three points in one night uh, late December, and then he kind of really took off there. And he had a good stretch of games where he was much more noticeable in the play. He was using his body. And I think a big addition to Parker Kelly's game, too, is when they brought over my guy, Darren Archibald, back from the Marlies. That was such a key pickup. He brought so much life to that team. And I think Parker Kelly, that's a guy who he could model his game after 
a heavy, tough guy who's not afraid to throw some hits to get the puck. And then if you're throwing your body around, you you make the other team um, he- like they don't have time to hesitate. So they they make poor moves uh, getting rid of the puck. So that's the kind of thing that Parker Kelly uh, really jumped in on. And I thought he improved uh, pretty well uh, at the end of the season. He finished with 10 goals and six assists in 57 games. So when you consider he had 21 games, pretty much half of that, with only one point, that's a pretty good way to round out the season for Parker Kelly. I think that this question often becomes uh, most improved player from last year to this year. I think the most improved player throughout the season was, I'm going to go back to it, and he actually made my top five list, was Alex Formanton. The ability he had to grow his game, to get comfortable, and to kind of blow away with speed. So in the past few episodes, we've been talking about how this year's draft and how there's going to be a lot of speed and skill brought into the game, but from undersized bodies, will they be able to make it? That's the big question. Alex Formanton brings the most speed out of that draft. That was his big draft stock, right? He's six foot three, one ninety. Now he's able to, he's got that little bit of a mean streak in him. I think he's going to be able to put it all together and be a really good NHL player. I wouldn't have said that at the start of this year. I believe it now. He put yeah, up- he went he went from kind of that like top nine guy, maybe just because of his speed, and now you're seeing that he's able to um, use his brain just as well, and he's not going to be too fast for for what he his thought process is, which is sometimes a problem. These fast guys, right? Their their brain can't keep up. But yeah, I, I like Formanton as a pick, but I'm going to go back to kind of Pilsy's way of, of year over year. And it's got to be Rudy Balsters. Just, I thought dominant at this level. So again, don't want to rehash too much, but I think he's more than ready for an NHL job full-time next year. And he just showed that by being dominant game in and game out at this level here. Hey Ross, I'm getting a little hungry. Do you know any snacks that I could uh, could have? Yeah, actually, I'm just reaching in right now to my Built Bar. I've been flying through this 16 pack so much so that I'm gonna go to builtbar.com right after this show. I'm not gonna wait. I'm going right when we're done recording to builtbar.com. And you know what's great? I've got two different email addresses, so I'm gonna sign up again, and that way I can use promo code. Locked on, and I'll get ten dollars off my first purchase. And you can too. You can go there right now. You know what? Pause the episode. I don't know what you're doing. You might be out for a walk. No, pause. Take a deep breath. Open your phone. Go to builtbar.com. And the only stressful part, and you might need a minute for this, is they have sixteen different flavors. So you have to look through each and every one of them because you don't want to miss your favorite. Is it chocolate mint? Maybe, maybe you like a peanut butter. That's my personal Built Bar favorite. Pilsy, I know that you've been getting into them. Which one really speaks to you so far? I know that you've told me before you like the chocolate mint, but I think that you're hiding it from us. You are, you just want more for you. You don't want them to sell out of your real favorite. I love the uh, the chocolate coconut one. The oh, yeah, the coconut. Uh, I find it goes so well with chocolate and that's a, just a nice subtle taste to it. So yeah, the chocolate coconut is uh, definitely one of my favorites. Remember you could just said coconut because all built bars are covered in 100% chocolate. It's awesome. It's great for the health conscious guy because you can lose or maintain weight while you're indulging in it. And if you want to go above and beyond, have one after a workout because there's 20 grams of protein 
for example, in the peanut butter brownie one, but only 107 calories. When have you ever heard peanut butter and brownie in the same sentence as 170 calories? Did they miss a zero? No. Built Bar just knows how to build a great, great protein bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked on and get $10 off your first purchase. Guys, we're back to the Sens Central draft rankings going all the way up to pick 31 today from 35. 31, of course, the final pick from the first round. So we're getting into first rounder territory, which is exciting. Of course, if you haven't heard the last few episodes, we've been counting down five players per episode, doing our top 50 all the way down to number one. Uh, hopefully in front of a June draft. It seems like the talks have been very silent on that front over the last few days, but when we get an announcement from the NHL, you'll be the first to know. You can always follow us at Send Central on Twitter, where we'll have that for you there. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. Draft rankings 2020 will go with pick number 39. Oh, 35, right? 35. Correct. <laughs> what, uh, what do you have to say? Parley about JJ Paterka. All right. So this guy, JJ is a cool name. It stands for John Jason. So that's not that cool anymore, but J- John Jason Paterka. Um, I mean, this guy, he's got a pro style game. You can see him playing in the NHL level, even though he's playing over in Germany right now. So there's a lot of times where kind of the question is, is he going to be able to make the jump to the North American ice? Yeah. This guy's going to be able to. Uh, he's got a big shot, and that's his biggest weapon. He's got some other offensive tools, but from what I'm reading from these scouting reports, he has trouble putting them all together. What do you got, Pills? Yeah, well, first of all, similar to my Kelowna bias, I definitely have a German bias. Uh, got a German background in my family, so I love it when German hockey players ba- break through, and especially Dreisaitl could really kind of open the door and open everyone's eyes. Uh, two German prospects. I feel like their development uh, has really ramped up in the last couple of years. And guys, I'm going to give you a little German lesson here. I was watching uh, Paterka's highlights. The word I kept hearing over and over is schnell. You guys know what schnell means? No. Fast. Schnell, schnell, schnell. This guy is fast. Once he gets the puck on his stick, there's no stopping him. And the nice thing too is he's not... Uh, kind of your typical uh, skilled European that's uh, g- going to go for a flashy play uh, over kind of a rough area. He's got no fear of getting in these high danger situations and he plays a physical game, but kind of like what Parley said, he d- can't put it all together. Like he's got all these tools, but it's not quite a complete game, but you got to remember this is a young kid playing in the DEL. So he's up against men here and that that's definitely tough. And that's something he's going to get better as time goes on. And he had six points in seven games at the world juniors. Obviously it was overshadowed uh, by other German prospects, which we'll get to in this list, but almost a point per game guy. So uh, he, he, he can elevate in big moments like the world stage. So this guy, I like a lot, especially at uh, pick number 35. I think this is a great pick for any team that needs some physical uh, play on the wing. You mentioned, both of you, that he's a goal scorer. Seven goals in 42 games in the German men's league, but had three in his first six games. So substantially cooled off after a hot start. He did play on that world junior line with Tim Stutzel and Lucas Reichel. Just so happened, those are the only two under-20 
German players who were ahead of him in the German Elite League and scoring this year. And if you haven't seen the Munich Red Bulls unis yet, you got to get on there. They're beautiful. Uh, they've got the, the nice logo on the bucket too. He's a 5'11 forward. He's a left shot but plays his off wing on the right side. Doesn't need a lot of time and space to get his shot off. So it's going to be really fun to watch him uh, grow into what we think will be a top nine, maybe even a top six role. He's ranked as high as 14th, guys. <laughs> Hockey prospect wow. is way, way ahead on this guy, but everyone else kind of has him between that 30 to 45 range uh, with uh, Scott Wheeler, whose opinion we respect a lot, having him at 41st. But what's also interesting I like to look at with Scott Wheeler's list is how they move around uh, from this ranking from their last one. And he's up 10 spots. So clearly there was something that was done. Maybe it was the four goals in seven games at the World Juniors. uh, Or maybe it's just how he was able to keep with it down the stretch, playing against obviously older, stronger, bigger guys uh, in the Elite League there in Germany, which I think is kind of flip-flopped with Czech League. Um, you don't hear too many guys coming out of the Czech League very much anymore, whereas the German League is starting to take off. Obviously, more excited last year, going sixth overall. And then the tri- trio of Germans uh, going in the top two rounds here. So it'll be interesting. And then the North America Central Scouting, um, uh, or the National League Central Scouting, rather, has him seventh among European skaters. So people think highly of him, but we mentioned he's the third German on the draft list we'll get to the next german soon but let's get to number 34 another undersized centerman maybe he'll play more of the wing sean farrell from hopkinton massachusetts played for chicago in the ushl but he's committed to harvard next year pilsey this guy did not have trouble putting up points in the junior a level yeah, and I mean, it helps when you've got a really good teammate like a guy we already talked about in Brendan Brisson um, with the Chicago Steel. Those two have really good chemistry together. Uh, the highlights that I was watching, uh, they were able to find each other all over the ice. Um, in his last four games, he had six points, so it's really tough for him. He was kind of hot as the season ended. And yeah, like you said, he's committed to Harvard and a Massachusetts guy. You know he's going to stay there for quite a while. So I would say this is definitely a a project type player, especially as another undersized guy at just five foot eight. So, I mean, there's there's some skill here and definitely some speed. But I would say this is definitely some uh, pick that you're going to wait a while for uh, him to develop into an NHL caliber player. So as a team looking to draft a guy like that, that's something you need to keep in mind, I would say. Just another smart kid. <laughs> wicked smart. Somebody's going to be wicked smart if they take him, too. Five goals in six games at the World Junior A Challenge. So I don't think I don't think teams are going to shy away from smaller players in this draft. And there's so many of them. You don't have a choice. Obvious, if, yeah, if, if you're avoiding them. But I think that he's going to bring it to the next level. I wouldn't be surprised if he spends the next two, maybe even three years at Harvard, that wouldn't be the worst thing. This is a situation where the NHL Central Scouting has him way lower. Way lower than any of the uh, the other rankings that we've seen. 62nd among North American skaters, down from 53rd. Whereas no rankings that doesn't separate the North American and, and European have him below 45th. So he's kind of in that 28 to 45 range. Wheeler has him 33rd. Uh, He's a guy who I'm going to be interested on uh, going forward. I wouldn't be surprised if we bump him down a few spots um, as as we get closer to the draft. But 
He's an intriguing player, so we definitely wanted to mention him. And now we're about to go on a bit of a run. Uh, I think it's four of the next five are going to be defensemen with the the other German forward mixed in. So we'll start that stretch with Ryan O'Rourke of the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds. Pretty offensive defenseman in junior. The uh, 37 points, 54 games. Mixes it up too. 79 penalty minutes. Parley, I go always go to you with the OHL guys first. So what do you like about Ryan O'Rourke's game? Well, he already wears the C, and I think that on the same on the C Sue St. Marie. Well, I can't spit that out. Sue St. Marie, he wears the C, and I think that C stands for compete because this guy is just a classic hard-nosed defenseman. He likes to mix it up physically, but he's got the other tools that he can compete in a game as well. I think what he's going to do is he's just going to do what makes what makes him have the best impact on the game. He's got a big shot, not afraid to utilize it. He's going to hit you. He's good in his gap control. He's going to be able to control the game with his size because Ross, there's a little bit of uh, he must have gone a little bit of a birth a growth spurt here. You have him listed at six feet. I see him listed at six two. So that just adds a little more physically to his game. So uh, yeah, this is a guy I like the word compete, and that's what used is used with him. Yeah, I, I used the, uh, the the NHL Central Scouting list. I just wanted to be consistent, and that's the only place where all the prospects would be listed. But I'm not sure. That's a bit of a discrepancy, though, Pilsy. Yeah, I mean, two inches at uh, at this age is huge, especially for a defenseman. Like, that size uh, can really help you out. And what I noticed from him and the highlights I watched is he's really confident with the puck. Like, once he gets the puck on his stick, he's got his head up, and he's not afraid to try to get closer to the net or try to get in a better shooting position. Even if it means other defenders are closing in on him and he's losing that space, he's still willing to hold on to the puck and try to get the best shot off. So I like that. And I like the fact that from uh, scout reports that I've seen, he can jump into the play responsibly without uh, a huge liability on defense or making a mistake. And then the other team creating an odd man rush the other way. So I think he's got potential to be a good offensive defenseman, maybe on a second uh, pair in an NHL team eventually one day, especially if his size is in fact 6'2 and he's still growing. So I think this is a good pickup for any team that's lacking on defense. He's the second and final Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound on our list after Yaromir Pitlick we talked about yesterday at 39th overall. Uh, He's a left shot defenseman, Ryan O'Rourke is, and there's a lot of left shot defensemen with We'll get to the next one in momentarily, but Lucas Reichel back to the German league for this one, the Nuremberg native. We're going to put him on his trial right now. And he played with Berlin, who also has an unreal logo. It's like a huge polar the bear. Ice barn. It, the ice barn. And polar bears. Yeah. If you haven't watched highlights of Lucas Reichel either, I recommend you do so just to get a vibe for the arena in Berlin. It's an amazing uh, atmosphere there. And scouts went, scouts saw him there, and scouts were impressed because he's listed as high as 20th. Of course, we have him down at 32nd. His range, though, 20 to 51st, which we're seeing a lot of in this draft. However, Bob McKenzie at 29th, Sportsnet 22nd, Craig Button, very similar to us, at 33rd. Pilsy, our head German scout, what can you tell us about this Lucas Reichel. I'll mention as well his uncle. You might recognize the name Reichel. Robert Reichel. He of 830 NHL games. 
Yeah, you always love to see uh, when family members have that hockey experience that can be passed down uh, to a nephew like Lucas. But the first thing that comes to my mind when I saw this guy, I don't know, I don't know the German word for this. Sorry, guys, as the German scout here, but is slippery. Like he just does such a good job of when he has the puck, just just kind of slipping past defenders, and they think they've got him, and then he just dips his shoulder down and gets around them. And what I loved about him is um, I saw some highlights where it kind of showed a full shift of him. He's constantly moving. He he has a defender on him, and then he slips away, gets open for a second. If he doesn't get the pass, that's fine. He keeps skating, finds another open area, tries to get open for a, a short amount of time. If he doesn't get the pass, keeps moving. Like, he's such a pain for defenders to stop. So his high hockey IQ is definitely up there. You can tell he thinks the game at a high level, but... Again, similar problem um, to the other German player we mentioned. And that's, he doesn't have that full 200-foot game. Like, he's not always um, coming back on defense. And he's not always uh, putting the full package together. And this is a guy, he is not known as a very physical player. Uh, no penalty minutes last season. And, I mean, take take that how you like. But for me, I don't really like that because that means he's... He's not getting in those dirty areas. He's not doing the extra little bit to try to get that puck. He's he's avoiding that contact and avoiding uh, making a controversial play where I would rather have uh, a player toe the line, even if it means you get a minor penalty here or there. It just shows a higher compete level. But as a young kid, you know, you're not going to want to put yourself in those scenarios in a man's league. So I can understand from that point. But pretty crazy when you go a full season without any penalties. Even crazier than that, guys, you go internationally, too, and he's not playing against men. His last 125 games, only six penalty minutes, probably. That's incredible. You know why he's not getting any penalty minutes? He plays with Maxime Lapierre. Don't you think Lapierre would be putting him in every (laughs) scrum? I think at that point, you just want to get away from him. Oh, my God. Not (laughs) one of my favorite players in NHL history there. No, not at all. But yeah, adding on to this guy, he seems like the type of guy who has the offensive skills to make him efficient at the NHL level. It just is where is he going to apply those skills? And, you know, a lot of people are saying that even at the age 17, he was able to play a pro style game and play pro style pro minutes. But at the same time, it's it's where is he going to be able to do that? on a North American ice. Is he going to be able to find that sort of thing? I worry about that with a player like this. Sounds like a guy who could maybe benefit from coming over like Sider did this year and playing in the American League next year for whatever team drafts him. University of Grand Rapids. (laughs) Yeah, well, he's in that that early second round um, where we know the Senators will have a pick for sure. Will they use it on Lucas Reichel or will they use it on a guy like Caden goalie the brother of an anaheim ducks defenseman now yeah i think he was traded from brandon um, i think brandon yeah brandon there you go they're both from sherwood park and this <laughs> i have him listed at six two parley i don't know if you want to dig into that a little bit more if you see him listed at six eight or something uh somewhere <laughs> else but he played for prince albert who was a complete wagon in the whl and his rankings somebody's got him as high as 14th so there's a pretty big range. Wheeler's pretty low on him down at 42nd, although Wheeler has him up 11 spots. So take take that and try to figure that one out. But 14th is is like real NHL talent. So, Parley, what, what can you say about his game? 
Well, it's funny enough. You got them ranked or listed at six two. I got them here at six three, and just a pound heavier than you do at one eighty seven. But uh, getting away from the semantics, there. This is a, we were talking a little bit off the phone. And number thirty one. That's the last pick of the first day of the draft, and this is the first player aside from Reichel in the last pick that really feels like a first rounder. You know, he's six foot three with great skating, and he's got good size. I just feel like at the left side, he's going to be able to slot into a lineup where you pick this kid and, you know, you might not have the best offensive skills right away. And sometimes he tries to be a little bit too much with the puck. But once he starts to mature in his game and figure out where he's going to strive, I think this is a guy that you for sure see playing NHL games for your club. And, uh, man, if this guy goes around the 31 or 32 pick, we can see how much a guy like Shane Pinto can grow into a game in just less than a calendar year, right? So, I mean, seeing a guy like this, I definitely think this is where we're starting to get into that first-round feel and a guy that can really play. Yeah, I agree, Parley. And I think uh, some of the most interesting prospects are those guys that are right on the fringe of being early second-round pick or a late first-round pick, and this is definitely one of those guys. And you talked a bit about how um, uh, his offense – and. You know what? I actually like that a lot of scouts are saying that this guy, mostly Gooley, is known for his defense rather than being an offensive defenseman. Because sometimes I find people fall in the trap. I mean, we're all guilty of this. Of First thing you do when you hear a prospect's name is you go look at the point totals. How many points did he put up? He should be putting up massive points in junior if he's even worth drafting, right? But you don't need to be like that if you're a defenseman. You know, the art of defending has kind of gone by the wayside, especially for young prospects that think they need to put up points. And I don't think the fact that Norris Trophy winners lately seem to be just the defenseman with the most points, that probably doesn't help uh, that narrative. But he's a guy who... He does a lot of things well defensively. He's got a good gap control. He's aggressive on attackers. And another thing that's so underrated is he has a great first pass to start a breakout transition. This is something that guys like Shabbat are really good at. And it's underrated because it may not look flashy or sexy, but it's something that happens countless times within a game. And Starting your offense all starts from the guy who brings the puck up and makes that first move. That sets up the whole play. So if you don't have a guy that can do that well, you're going to struggle to break out and get uh, into your opponent's blue line because you're fumbling the puck, teams are jumping on you. So that's an important thing that I really like about this guy. And I think it's great that he's known as more of a defense first guy. That's going to really help his NHL projection and him getting to the NHL sooner than other guys because... Once you go from junior to the AHL or the NHL, the points aren't going to be there as a defenseman right away. So that can sometimes discourage guys who are used to putting up big points and really take away from their development. But I think Gooley's got a good chance to turn into a really good defensive prospect. I worry that he kind of tops out like his brother did, though. I mean, still young-ish, right? His brother is a second-round pick. He's 22. He'll be 23 next year. But... 30 games this year was his most in the National Hockey League. Really, majority playing in the American League, 50 games in each of the last two AHL seasons, playing for Buffalo's affiliate before ultimately being acquired by Anaheim, where he's played 36 games up, 27 games down, puts up points at the American League level, but hasn't really established himself. And 
I don't know if that's why. But that's I'm what I'm talking about. Him. You can't just look at at his point totals and and yeah. say that he's not developing right, right? Like it's those little things that uh, maybe he does really well. And I don't know. I haven't really followed uh, Brendan Gooley that that closely, but that's that's exact trap I'm talking about, where you're evaluating defensemen strictly based off points. That's fair, and that's something. Yeah, you, you got to avoid. I mean, not like Buffalo's got the greatest track record at developing talent. So we'll see how he does in the next couple of years down in uh, Anaheim. Be interesting if Anaheim used that late first. They're going to have in in Boston's pick and, and take uh, take the brother and and really dive into the uh, the ghoulie <laughs> and the goulash ghoulie, whatever you want to say. Um, that I think that wraps it up. Unless you want uh, want to add anything else here. No, I'm just really excited to get into the first round. There's going to be so much deliberation and so much talent, uh, especially in this top 15. It almost feels like usually it's like top five feel. This one's top 15. I'm real excited to get into it. Which we will do on Wednesday. That's it for us. Before we go, actually, let's recap. Number 31, Caden Gooley. Number 32, Lucas Reichel. Number 33, Ryan O'Rourke. Number 34, Sean Farrell. And then at 35, John Jason Paterka at 35. That's it for us. Unfortunately, it's probably the last time we're really going to touch on the 2019-2020 Belleville Senators. They finished third in the American League in points. For the Eastern Conference, fifth in the entire American League. It's going to be the season of what if. But... What if they're better next year? We'll leave you with that for Brandon Piller and Chris Parliament. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.